This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. What's up? What's up, everybody? Ricky Widmer here, along with the one, the only, Brandon Swanee Swanson. Hey, hey, hey. And you're listening to the Primetime Podcast here on Most Valuable Podcast. And you might be thinking to yourself, either if you're on Blog Talk Radio or listening on YouTube, whoa, guys, uh, you guys are coming out a day early with uh, the podcast this week. And that's because we've had some things going on. We're trying a new schedule, and it looks like this is going to be it as we are now recording the Primetime Podcast on Sunday nights instead of Monday nights, but we're going to be looking at some games for next week, but before we move on, Brandon, holy shit did we have a good week five in college football. It was great. It was absolutely great. There were some great games. Didn't go exactly the way that I wanted them to go, but we had some really, really good games that went right down to the wire. It was good. Well, and I mean, the ones that you got to look at, of course, the Tennessee-Georgia game, the Florida State-North Carolina game, but (sighs) the one that's kind of in my craw and won't go away is it's got to be that Louisville-Clemson game, right? Ten touchdowns, right? That's what you were looking for. Ten touchdowns. Well, I said all ten were going to come from uh, Lamar Action Jacks. I wasn't wrong. I wasn't wrong. They just didn't all come from Lamar Jackson. I think it was something crazy like 10 touchdowns and 78 points was the uh, combined total. But, uh, God, why the fuck don't you? Um, why did you go out of bounds then? I don't know. Oh. Why he went out of bounds a yard shy of where he needed to be made no sense to I me. I don't get it. I got up I from my it. I got up from my chair and I yelled some awful profanities at the TV but it needed to be. It needed to happen. Otherwise, I, I would have had that in inside of me the the rest of the night, and that would have been no fun. And we uh, we were watching that as we were doing the live stream that me, Sean, and Dave did on Saturday. And I said it there. I'll say it now. Uh, I guess now my new favorite hipster team to root for is got to be Houston. I mean, Louisville has a chance. Clemson could lose too, but uh, Houston's becoming my new hipster team to uh, root for. So. Go Cougs. And before we start all the topics we're talking about, we're going to look at Tennessee, Texas A&M. These vowels just won't go away. We're going to look at the Red River rivalry and kind of look at Texas and Charlie Strong. And then we're going to look at the Washington Huskies. Can they make a playoff run after they just demolished the Stanford McCaffreys this past week? But Brandon, Tennessee, Texas A&M, 9-8. And like it says... uh, on YouTube, if you're watching it, these vowels just won't go the fuck away. They just won't lose. No, they certainly won't, and they're they're finding ways to win. They fumble the ball five times in a game. They find a way to win. They turn it over three times in a game. They find a way to win. They have the other team put up the the game ending hail mary mm-hmm. pass to win it. And then oh they do wait, it. then they come back and Josh Dobbs puts up his own hail mary pass, and they win it. How incredible this Tennessee team. They are. They are just finding ways to win. But I think that it's definitely a lot of talent for Tennessee. But at the same time, it's as a lot of golfers would say, I'd rather be lucky than good. And they've got a lot of luck on their side as well. I'm not taking anything away from them because they are talented and they are good. I think at the beginning of the season, the first couple of games, People looked at them and said, "Okay, well, this is kind of looking at the uh, like the Tennessee of last year. That just wouldn't that that wasn't as competitive as they could be. Mm-hmm. But I think that right now 
they've they've got that competitive edge in them for sure and I think that that competitive spirit but they've also paired that with lady luck and the two of those together oh it's like peanut butter and jelly well and I'm looking at this game Texas A&M they're another team that we looked at as we thought they were going to be not bottom of the barrel but not good enough and we talked about Sumlin coach Sumlin maybe being on the hot seat this year maybe losing his job after the season they're the number eight team coming in, so now Tennessee's got to go on the road playing this team, and we're talking about close games. They should have lost to Appalachian State. Virginia Tech, they started slow, but I will say they did play good in the end, so probably I'm not going to give them a loss there. They looked like shit against Ohio, although they won that game. They had to come back against Florida, and then the Hail Mary against Georgia. Those two kind of rhyme there, but really the big game with Appalachian, the Appalachian State game is the one where I think Tennessee should have at least one loss thus far. And this is why, Tennessee fans, I'm going to speak to you. This is why you're probably like, Ricky, you're just ragging on this Tennessee team. You hate this Tennessee team. No, I just, like Brandon said, that golfers like to say, oh, I'd rather be lucky than good, or I like to have a little luck than be good. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. I love when the good teams win. However, I know you're going to get luck every once in a while, but you know what's the best part about this Tennessee season? The best part for me, a guy who wants them to lose at least one, they're going to have to play Alabama twice this year. Once for sure, probably twice if they win their side of the SEC, which it looks like they could. So, I mean, that's two losses right there, right? Well, Ricky, of course it's two losses right there. (laughs) It's the Alabama Crimson Tide. Yeah. I, I think that Tennessee, I, I think that, you know, if, if Tennessee's able to play Alabama any way that Ole Miss was able to play Alabama, Tennessee could certainly have a chance to win. However, if they're not able to, if they're not able to get anything going and Alabama just runs away with it, then a lot of people are going to say this Tennessee team isn't for real because mm-hmm. that's that's the thing. And, 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 and as much as I love Alabama and am a huge Alabama fan, I think that sometimes it's it's a little blown out of purport, a little blown out of proportion. Okay, you lose to Alabama. Oh well, you're actually not really that good. No, just Alabama, Alabama just is really just they're good. on a level of their own. No one else is on that level right now, and I think that. That's, you know, we talked about it last week when we talked about Les Miles being fired. Mm-hmm. That's what ultimately did him in, being 0-5 against Alabama in the last five five times against them. I think that it's it was it was obviously that and how he ran his offense, but it, that's how people look at things. If you beat Alabama this year, who cares if you lost every other game? You beat Alabama. If you didn't beat Alabama... Then okay, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to go back to the drawing board and 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 see how to redo things because we need to beat Alabama. There are other teams on the schedule. There's other good games on the schedule. I, I think that that sometimes people look at that and go, "Hmm, lost to Bama, not as good as we thought, huh?" And and I think that that's one of the things where even if Tennessee were to lose to Alabama mm-hmm. when they play them. That's not to say that Tennessee isn't a good team. It's not to say that Tennessee isn't going to continue to still be good this season and possibly have a chance of going to the playoffs. Possibly. But I think that it's going Alabama right now, that's the biggest game on their schedule right now for Tennessee. And it's a game that they're definitely going to have to try and win. I mean, they, 
if, if they, they have win, to if, win. If, if I was going to say, if they want a legitimate chance of being considered for a playoff spot at the end of the regular season this year, mm-hmm. they've got to beat Alabama. They've got to beat the Tide. And I think that, you know, are they built to be able to do it? Some people would say, no, they're not. Some no, people would say, no, think, they're not. I don't think they are. And some people would say that right now what Tennessee has been doing, they've been playing that bend but don't break style. And I wouldn't say style of offense or style of defense. They've been they've been bending. They've been bending, but they've never broken because they haven't lost yet. But is the Alabama game the game where they could break? That's what the haters would say. Mm-hmm. But people on the other side would say, this Tennessee team has been really good. They've overcome adversity in each and every game. They've overcome the turnovers. They've overcome the fumbles. They've overcome the late the late Hail Mary pass that they thought was going to win the game for the other team. They've overcome all of that because they're a really good football team. People are going to see it one way or the other. I don't see it as Ben, ben don't break. And the reason why I don't see it that way is – I think back, and for me, I know Tennessee fans, you're going to hate to hear me say it again. I think back to that Appalachian State game. That was not bending. That was basically letting a team that you should roll over beat you. And that's what I'm saying, beat you, because if their kicker could have hit a fucking field goal, hit an extra point, we wouldn't be having this discussion right now. And even on top of that, you needed a lucky play in overtime from your running back who picked up a fumble because your quarterback took a big hit to the chest and lost the ball because he's trying to reach for the goal line and be the hero. You needed that play. You needed the kicker on the other team. And I know what you're saying. Well, Ricky, you're talking about football. That is basically football. Sometimes the, sometimes the field goal goes in. Sometimes it doesn't. But maybe I'm so angry about this season because it seems like every single game, it seems like to me it's luck, not skill. And to me, I like the ones where the team that is a little bit... If the teams are close in skill, then I have no problem with a little luck being in. But when the skill is off, like if if Tennessee gets a lucky play and luckily beats Alabama, oh, I, I'm not an Alabama fan, but that, that'll sit in my craw for years. Years, and I'm not even an Alabama fan. But the one thing I do want to say, these next two games for Tennessee... Texas A&M, and then Alabama, one on the road, one at home, they need to win one of these. They need to. Because if they lose both of these games, guess who they put right back into the driver's seat? Florida. Because right now they are 2-0, and Florida's 2-1. and Basically, I look at the loss column. If you lose one of these games and then win out, you can win the East because you would own the tiebreaker over Florida. You lose both of these games... Florida's in the driver's seat, and who does Florida have to play? Vanderbilt, LSU, Missouri. Georgia's probably their toughest opponent. Well, Arkansas's their toughest, pardon me. But Georgia's probably their only other toughest opponent. I do have to say, Florida beat Vanderbilt this past weekend. They only beat them by 7. 13-6 mm-hmm. was the final score. It was a defensive battle, mm-hmm. that's for sure. So, I mean, when you, when you take a look at, you know, right now for Tennessee— it's get the job done for you. You have to take care of your own business because guess what? This year, I feel like in college football has been a little... I shouldn't say that there's been a lot of parity, but there's been a lot of 
teams that have gone down when you're like, oh, I did not see that one coming. People are throwing that word out, though. We heard it all through the basketball season. Now we're starting to hear it through the football season. A little bit. A little bit. And I didn't, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, I, I don't use it as much for, for football, I feel like. Because use it for basketball all the time. All the time. But with football, it seems like your, your top 25 teams are usually the same top 25 teams throughout the season. They'll just switch spots mm-hmm. with each other. Some may fall out down towards the bottom, but they'll just switch spots. One could go to three, three could go to two, you know, five to seven, blah, blah, blah. And basically, that's not exactly how it's gone this season. Well, and a little, like maybe my own personal rankings, I kind of feel like it is the same where it's like nine, one through 20 ish is all the same. If you're a team, though, at 20 and you lose, of course you're going to fall out. But I feel like the big thing is 21 through 25. For me, constantly in my own rankings for MVP, it is all five of those teams are new teams each and every week. Like there are like three to five teams always falling out of the rankings because they're losing just games that they should that we thought they would win, and there's huge upsets. Is Tennessee going to win both of these games? Probably not. If I were to Get put on my predictor hat. I'm gonna say if they're gonna win any of the next two, it's gonna be Texas A&M. But I really think if Tennessee loses these next two against Texas A&M, against Florida, they're gonna need some help. They're gonna need some help from the Razorbacks or Georgia to beat Florida, because then they're gonna put them right back in the driver's seat. And if they lose three games this year, they're done. They are done then either Florida or Georgia will take the side of the East. How do you see it playing out? Just with the next two, with Texas A&M and Alabama for Tennessee. Well, I, I think that this is going to be a a very interesting uh, two two weeks for Texas A&M because Texas A&M right now, they're going to be taking on Tennessee at home, and then after this game, they go on the road, the Aggies do, to Alabama. The only difference, though, is they got that bye week in the middle. Luckily, they got the bye week before Alabama. They do. Mm-hmm. They do have that bye week. But I, I think that it's uh, it, it's it, it for the Aggies as well. It's also it's also big. Of course, you have two teams: Tennessee being on the East, the Aggies being on the better West mm-hmm. side of the conference. But I, I think that. Again, for Tennessee, do they do they even come away from this week getting the victory? Because I think that a lot of people, I, I maybe I shouldn't say a lot of people. So many people talk Alabama, Alabama, Alabama from the West. Really, this season, no one's been talking a whole lot about the Texas A&M Aggies. They've hung right around the eight or nine spot for most of the season, and. I feel like they've kind of flown under the radar. I mean, maybe they haven't, but I feel like they really have. I feel like Texas A&M and Arkansas have flown under the radar. At the beginning of the season, it was Alabama Old Miss. Alabama Old Miss. Chad Kelly thinks he's the best quarterback. Now it's mostly Alabama because of the kind of slowish start, I'll say, that Old Miss had losing their games. But definitely Texas A&M and Arkansas have, to me, kind of flown under the radar a little bit in the SEC. But this is where you guys come in. I want you guys to let us know down below. What do you think about this game? Val fans, tell me how much I'm wrong, how your team has skill, and that I should be rooting for you guys and not rooting 
for every other team that you play this season. And before we move on, Brandon, you you look like you got one more thing to say. I've got one more thing to say. I think that the matchup between Josh Dobbs, it's really not, they're, they're not going to match up against mm-hmm. each other, but it's going to be interesting to watch Josh Dobbs and Trevor Knight, the leaders of both of these teams, Tennessee and A&M respectively, see how they do. Trevor Knight has been really good this season, seven touchdowns compared to three interceptions. He's also been really good at running the football. Trevor Knight, 50 carries on the season, just a little under 400 yards and six touchdowns on the ground. He's combined for 13 total touchdowns, and I know that's not Lamar Jackson-esque because that's not as many as he's put Mm -hmm. up on the season, but Trevor Knight, look for him. He is also one of those quarterbacks who can beat you in a number of ways Josh Dobbs is the exact same way so it's going to be really fun and very exciting to watch both of those quarterbacks this weekend well we're going to move on into our next topic and we're going to go to a big 12 kind of a showdown but before we talk about the actual game I want to look at one of the teams in this game and the Texas Longhorns right now they jumped out to a 2-0 start and beat Notre Dame week one shockingly And we're all like, whoa, is Texas here? Well, now losers of two straight losing at Cal, which I think they should have won because the guy dropped the ball at the goal line, didn't get in because there was no immediate recovery. The ref said that the game should end. It was bullshit. They should have got another possession, should have been able to win that game. And then they just lost to Oklahoma State. Like, I have no answer, like no, no argument for Oklahoma State winning that game, but Longhorns are 2 and 2 after 4. They're going into number 20 Oklahoma this week for the Red River shootout, the Red River rivalry. And the one thing I wanted to look at Brandon is yet again, Charlie Strong looks like he's on the hot seat, but is he because Texas has said they will not make a move mid-season on Charlie Strong. And the one thing I wanted to ask you is is this a boy who cried wolf situation? I feel like every single season, maybe it's because it's been last year and this year, by the time we get to this point in the season, everyone's calling for Charlie Strong's head. I don't disagree with you at all. I think that this is one of those things that kind of needs to come to an end. And and I'm not saying with his, his coaching coming to an okay, end. Okay, okay. I, 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 I was going to ask that. I think it's, it's this calling for his head, like you said, and mm-hmm. calling for his job. I mean... I, I think that you, you take a look at it. In game one, he beat a not – no one knew at the time that they were going to be as bad as they were, but a number 10-ranked Notre Dame team, you take them to double overtime and mm-hmm. you win 50-47. to 47. You beat – well, I was going to say you beat – you didn't beat Cal on the road. You should have. You should have beat Cal on the road. That's that game that you were talking about mentioning in, as you were opening the mm-hmm. segment. 50-43 to 43 there. You lose to Oklahoma State in a bad way last week. I think that you really turn it all around with a win against Oklahoma this weekend. I think it's simple as that. And I know that that may not be simple. This Oklahoma team it has been an underperforming team. I, I really don't think. Ricky, you said it before we even came on. They barely beat TCU. I think that this definitely is going to be a game that Texas can win. It's a game Texas needs to win. Because if they can do that, then they can put a lot of that all to bed. Because then that will put Oklahoma and Texas at one and one in the mm-hmm. conference, three and two overall, three and two overall for Texas, two and three overall then for Oklahoma. So that would bump Texas ahead of them. That 
would be huge because I think that Oklahoma, even though they had fallen off and they're nowhere near where they were last season, you beat a team that went to the playoffs last year. I think that that will be very big for the Texas Longhorns. Definitely something that they can do. Well, and the reason why I say that we have to stop this, we have to stop like, oh, Charlie Strong should be fired, is because to me, are the Longhorns a bad team? No. Are they in a shit situation? No. They lost two games. They lost to a pissed off, oh, I'm going to call them a pissed off Oklahoma State team because Oklahoma State also played in a game that they should have won. And that was the Central Michigan game because it was a great play, but apparently it shouldn't have happened. Just like Texas lost that game against Cal when it was, it, it's, it's part of the rules, but I'm just going to say it's BS. It's complete BS that there needs to be an immediate recovery. If he drops the ball before going into the end zone, then it should stop right there. It should stop right there. Possession gets thrown to the other team. And the reason why I say that is kind of old man Ricky. Like, if you're going to drop the ball before going into the end zone, your team doesn't deserve to get the ball back. You don't deserve to get the ball back because you didn't hang on to that ball. You didn't, you, you it wasn't precious to you getting it into the end zone. But that, I, I digress. That's not the point. The point is they have a freshman quarterback in Shane Bouchelle. Firing Charlie Strong and bringing in somebody else is not going to be good for Buchel's growth. And I'm not talking like an NFL standpoint, like, oh, his progression to possibly the NFL. I'm talking just as a success for your team because if he's able to be under Charlie Strong, you get that same system, you get to work in it next year, you get to work in it in the year after, and next year. Let's the way I see it is let's have them have this year, let's have them have next year, and then that junior year with Buchel, then let's see what they're doing. Because to me, it's all about that progression. Because you do have a freshman quarterback, you basically have a guy coming straight out of high school playing collegiate football as your main quarterback. And I know Texas fans are going, but wait, we have Tyron Swoops. To me, that's a little bit of it too. Yes, you're making the two quarterback thing work. But I think Shane Bouchelle is going to make is going to take that next step when he doesn't have a guy behind him taking snaps away from him because I feel like this two quarterback system is just to make Swoops happy so that he doesn't become a cancer in the locker room. And Shane Bouchelle, you, you look at what this young kid has done this season: eight touchdowns on the year, only three interceptions, and he is getting close to a thousand yards. He's also added a touchdown on the ground and a uh, little under 100 yards there. So I think that this, this Shane Bouchelle is really a good quarterback, and I, and I think that you, you want to keep that consistent for him if you, if you can. Mm-hmm. And, and when I say keep that consistent, I'm talking about the head coach because we, we've talked about it before. I know I've brought it up before. You don't want to... You don't want to see a guy getting all these different head coaches. Some, you know, starting off with this system, then coming and having a having a new guy come in and start a completely different system. I, I think that, you know, you want to be able to try and stay consistent. But right now, for Charlie Strong, it's the defense. I think it's it's not necessarily offense because you take a look. A couple of the games that I mentioned, they put up fifty points in game one, forty one in game two, fifty game three. 30 excuse me 43 in in game three and 31 Mm -hmm. in game number four however 
When they put up 50, they gave up 47. When they put up 43, they gave up 50. They put up 31, they gave up 49. It's that defense. It is that defense that needs to happen. Here's my thing. In Notre Dame, You do know you're talking about defense for a Big 12 team, right? I do. You you are like, that's kind of a little hypocritical. They don't play defense in the Big 12. Yes, you know that. (laughs) Everyone knows that. I, I let people know that on a weekly basis. But here's the thing is that you need to be able to play some defense. Mm-hmm. And right now, you take a look at Notre Dame. Yes, have people called for Brian Kelly to be fired? Yeah, they certainly have. But who was the first guy to go for them? Brian Van Gorder, because they weren't playing well defensively. They weren't playing well anyway, actually. But he he left, and he was fired because they needed to have a change. They mm-hmm. needed to have a change. Something needed to be different. Do you do that at Texas? Why Why are you calling for Charlie Strong when you should be calling for a different defensive scheme? Maybe that means bringing in a defensive coordinator who, hell, if you give up 30 points every game, you still win all of the games. You, you would If you literally gave up 30 points in every game so far this season, you would have won them all. The one thing I'm thinking is I I do agree that a change has to be made. I don't know if that change is necessarily getting rid of a coach. It could be something like you said. It could just be changing a scheme, changing something so that you can do something else. And the first thing I thought of was, and this was just me thinking off the top of my head, I was like, well, Les Miles is out there. And then I kind of thought to myself, I'm like, no, that wouldn't work because – Ricky, you're an idiot. He's an offensive-minded coach. He was, before coming to LSU when he was with Oklahoma State, he was a tight end coach for the Cowboys and then an offensive coordinator for OK State. So that wouldn't necessarily work. But I do want to bring Les into this discussion because because of the people that are calling for Charlie Strong's head, I know both you and me have said it needs to stop. Charlie Strong should stay as the Texas head coach, but the people who are probably like, fire Charlie Strong, bring in Les Miles, do they have any ground to stand on? Do they have any ground to stand on whatsoever? I don't think that that necessarily makes a, a whole lot of sense right now at this at this point in the season because I think that you know, as much as you may want to go after and say, "Oh yeah, Les Miles, he's gonna be he's gonna be so much better," and this and that, and I don't I don't know if Les necessarily wants to be going to a Texas team. He's he's mm-hmm. coming from the SEC. Not, I I just don't I don't I don't know if I don't know if that's what 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 Texas would be would be looking for. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's what Les would be looking for. I, I think that those are two different schemes. Uh, wouldn't you say, Ricky? The I only, mean, uh, diff- it's diff- definitely different mindsets. The thing I think about is I don't even think about schemes. I don't even think about X's and O's. The thing that it would work best for Texas, if that were the case, is Les Miles is a big name. And when you get that big name coach in that program like Texas, that'll pull kids in. And that's all boosters care about. But that's guess all what? they care about. But they yes, were, they I were, agree, they were ready. You should care about X's and O's. They were ready to fire him at... LSU, mm-hmm. he's he was a big name. He brings people in. He's got one of the best recruiting classes. They still got rid of him. 
They still got rid of him because they needed a change. They wanted to have a change. And at the end of the day, finally, that went all the way up to the head coach. And people can argue, is it right, is it wrong? But at the same time, in in response to what you're saying, I I think that, you know, it's not always... It's not always the case of bringing in a big name. And and I think that after a while, the big name wears off, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, it, it wears off that you've got the big name. You could bring in Nick, well, you could bring in Nick Saban. You could bring in Nick Saban, and if he can't do anything with your team, after a while, I don't give a shit if you have Barack Obama as your coach. He ain't winning. I, I think that that's, like, the biggest thing. And, and and you can bring in names all you want, but you've got to be able to see the production on the field. Well, with me, Texas, they're not what they used to be. They're not the Mac Brown Longhorns. It's not that, like, I kind of almost saw Texas with the their own network, and they kind of built themselves. I want to say the evil empire, which is the Yankees, but not the evil empire part. They were just the Yankees of college football. Like, everybody you would see... That was just like a casual football fan had a Longhorn shirt, had a Longhorn hat. Why are you a Longhorn fan? Oh, they're they're a good team. Kind of like why are you a Yankee fan, but you're not in New York. Oh, they're a good team. Like that's what they were in college football. And to kind of end with the actual game, I think Texas has a real good shot in this one. And I think the one thing that the one thing that this defense needs to do is just take Baker Mayfield. Out of the game. You may say easier said than done, but Oklahoma hasn't been the same Oklahoma team that we saw last season. The one thing that I find interesting is this is going back to Oklahoma's game from week five when they just pulled out a win against um, TCU. Coach Gary Patterson of the Longhorns was upset that uh, Kenny Hill got called for a um, grounding on the drive that ultimately failed in four played plays and just sealed the Sooner victory and I found it funny that he talks about the officials then kind of brings uh, Baker Mayfield into it and if you guys are like well why would he bring Baker Mayfield into it Mayfield in the past was recruited by TCU and said to reporters and it was put in um, news articles that oh Coach Patterson kind of held hung me out to dry on National Signing Day which Patterson said wasn't true, but here's the exact quote from this past week. He said, we talk about sportsmanship in this game, and I've got a quarterback that writes a whole article on me, how I treated him wrong, but I can't talk about officials. Bottom line line to this is I wasn't happy with the officiating. So he kind of brought in Baker Mayfield. Is that something you read into it? Oh, well, the Longhorns aren't sportsmen. No, I just think this is a guy upset with a call that happened, but the point is Oklahoma was just in a close game. This is very winnable for Texas, and I think they they need to win this one because, Brandon, like you said, if they beat Oklahoma, kind of all is forgotten with these last two games. I, I think that in a sense it would be. Is it all forgotten? Maybe not all, but I, I think it will definitely it'll, – it'll be like – the kid going to his mom after he knew, knows he did something wrong, going, Mom, hey, you know, I'm really sorry. Oh, it's okay, Johnny. That's how it would be. It would it would basically be, okay, that's fine. But if you did it again, soon, like then soon we'll, after. Then we'll, then we'll have some then, repercussions. Then I'm going to remember, and I'm going to be really <laughs> upset then. 
but I think that I think that right now that for for Texas that's that's the biggest thing for them right now. They need to be able to get this win this weekend because it is of utmost importance. Not only would you get the win, you would knock off a ranked team. And we're gonna move on into our next next segment. But before we do, this is where you guys let us know down below what you think in the comment section. What do you think about Texas? What do you think about Charlie Strong? What do you think about the matchup at hand? But Brandon, we're gonna move on. And of course, we don't have Sean Anderson of the Fast Break with us. He's gonna be listening to this on YouTube or Blog Talk Radio, wherever he listens to the Primetime Podcast, and he is going to be quite upset that we did not invite him on for this segment. I'm sorry, Sean, but sometimes we've got to do it that way. And we're going to be talking about the Washington Huskies. And this is a team that Sean's been high on, of course, because he's it's one of his three college football teams. And he was telling us he picked Washington. He's like, oh, Washington's going to win. He didn't think it, they were going to blow him out, blow Stanford out. But this Washington team has been good. And Brandon, you have said it in the past on past podcasts this season, but who have they beaten? Who have they beaten? Well, now they've beaten someone in Stanford. What do you think of the Huskies now? And could they turn this season into a potential playoff run type of a year? Ricky, I think the biggest thing that you need to look at is they didn't just beat Stanford. They took Stanford's head and banged it against the wall for the entire football game. They took them out back and took care of business, if you know what I mean. I do. I do know what you mean. Jake, Mom, where's Christian McCaffrey? Jake Browning. Dad took him, Dad took him out back, son. Jake that's, that's Browning basically what happened. for 210 yards and three touchdowns. Gaskin, 100 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. Christian McCaffrey had 12 carries for 49 yards and three catches for 30 yards. He was useless. Christian McCaffrey and the entire McCaffrey team was useless. The entire McCaffrey team. They, oh, I love it. They were awful. They were absolutely awful. And a lot of people would say coming into this one, not coming into this one, but after this one was over, what do they take away from this one? Was Stanford just that bad? Was Washington that good? And I think that people may be able to start to say, well, Washington might be just that good and just that consistently good. We talk about teams that have kind of hung right around the same ranking for the entire season. The Washington Huskies are one of those teams. They're ranked number 10 right now, but they are trying to fight their way up the ladder. They mm-hmm. want to be a playoff team. They believe they're a playoff team. They're 5-0. and They are 5-0 and right now, and I think that this team is a team that you cannot now, certainly now, mm-hmm. count, count out in the Pac-12. I, you just can't because we all know that USC is not good. UCLA has struggled. Utah, okay. Utah's there, but I don't think that they have enough to be able to push them to the top. Arizona State, same thing. And then Oregon, they're not good. Cal, they're not good. Washington and Stanford. And Stanford's now got the loss against Washington. Well, when it comes to the Pac-12, Washington's in the driver's seat because their main opponent is Stanford. They beat them. The only other ranked opponent at the moment that they're going to play, obviously things can change week in and week out, but Utah. Utah may be their toughest opponent so far this season, and they won't have to play Stanford in the Pac-12 title game because, like you said, they're in the same side of the conference. So 
they're done with Stanford, basically. They got that monkey off their back. When it comes to a playoff run, though, are they, like, at first I wanted to say, before I looked into it, the first thing I wanted to say is, no, they're just on the outside looking in. But after I look on it, look at it, if they win, if they go undefeated, win the Pac-12, we might have something to talk about because the ACC right now, it looks like, as of right now, it would be North Carolina and Clemson again in the ACC title game, now in Orlando, Florida, because the ACC pulled that game out of North Carolina. Let's just say it's Clemson. If Clemson wins the ACC, they're getting a playoff bid. They're getting it for sure. The The Big 12, yeah, we got Baylor right now undefeated, so is West Virginia, but if one of those two teams wins, it's hard to give them an automatic nod because they don't play a conference championship game. The Big 10, Michigan's undefeated, Ohio State's undefeated, Nebraska's undefeated. You win the Big 10 undefeated, you're going to the playoffs. So that's two of your four slots already eaten up. The SEC, if Alabama goes undefeated, they are going to go. So I'm giving you the SEC a playoff bid. That's three or your four already gone. That leaves me with two teams. Washington, who in this situation is going to win the Pac-12 for argument. And the other team I'm going to throw out there at the, at the moment, Houston. Houston's a team that people are going to talk about as a playoff team, and they would have a conference championship game that they would play, and if they go undefeated, here's the thing with Houston that we're going to see. Yes, Washington plays in a Power 5, Houston doesn't, but Houston played a number 3 Oklahoma team on the road, beat them. Well, technically on the road, it was at a neutral site at um, the NRG uh, Stadium where the Texans play, and then if they go undefeated, they'll have to beat Louisville as well. Right now, that's the number seven team in the country. So, really, with Houston in this argument, you could say what's more important, the power fiveness of Washington or the type of opponents Houston beat? And at this point, I think that's the argument we're going to have when it comes to Washington and the playoffs. I think it's more about, actually, Ricky, the opponents that Washington has played because, really, both teams have only played one ranked team. And the team that Houston played was Oklahoma at number three Mm -hmm. to start the season. Clearly, they're nowhere near number three right now. But I think Stanford is more so true to their ranking, which was, what was it, six, seven? Seven. I think they're going to hold more true to that than, obviously, Oklahoma would hold true to being number three. So right now, I think that Washington and Houston are kind of in that same boat. Mm Mm-hmm. Except, of course, Washington's coming from a Power 5. Probably the weakest Power 5. But I think that, as of right now, as of right now, I'm not saying in general, I'm saying right now that's they're, they're probably the weakest in my mind. But I think that right now, Washington, probably be the better team if you want to rank them based on everyone that they've played and then throw in that ranked team, they're probably the better one. But you're going to disagree. I'm not going to disagree, but I am, if that makes a little bit of sense. No. Washington, to me, just based on Power 5 alone, boom, right away. They should be up there. But if we're looking at who they played right now, you can put them ahead of Houston. Because like you said, that Oklahoma team was ranked 3, but 
they aren't who we thought they were. They have fallen off since. We're Stanford right now, number seven team. They haven't lost any more games. Of course, we're, we have to see at the end of the season. But after everything's said and done, if everything holds up right now, and it's two ranked teams, a Oklahoma and a right now 24 Utah, those two are similar. I think then you got to look at Stanford and Houston would have to beat Louisville to be in this discussion. If Houston beats Louisville and Louisville's able to climb up a little bit more because they're higher than Stanford in the rankings coming into week six, if they're higher in the rankings than Stanford and then Houston beats them, I think that might be a better win than Stanford. But it's all but at that point it's all up to the committee. It's all up to what they think because last year it was all well, you gotta win your conference championship. Well, both of these teams in this situation would win their conference championship. I think that yes, absolutely it all comes down to what the committee believes, and we have talked so many times what's what's the theme of the year with the committee? <laughs> is it wins? This year is it's it conference? Is it parody? Is it who eats General Mills cereal the most? <laughs> I, I think that, you know, it's it it's really kind of all up in the air. We talk about that all the time as well. But uh, I definitely think that that is going to be something uh, that the committee will take a look at. But right now I think that a lot of people could see those two teams as being very close together mm-hmm. because of the fact that they've played a lot of not-so-great teams and then they've both played one ranked team. However you want to kind of rank the ranked team, that's up to you. And the one last thing I want to say is right now with the playoffs, uh, how I ultimately see it, and I think, Brandon, you might be in the same boat, right now the ACC, the SEC, and the Big Ten, right now I see them all getting in. It's just that fourth spot, and right now it's either Houston or the Pac-12 because I don't see the Big 12 having it because of the conference game. One guy I wanted to bring up, though, before we end this podcast, just to – Give him his rightful due because he is a big reason why this Washington team is doing so well. Is quarterback Jake Browning. I mean, this is a kid where only a sophomore, I look at him and I go, I cannot wait to see you play next year as well. I cannot wait to talk about this kid in draft talks moving into the future and having him in mock drafts because he is something special. I mean, three touchdowns, no INTs against Stanford in that blowout. He had four. T- I mean, four touchdowns against Portland State. You're probably saying, but Ricky, it's Portland State. But at Arizona, able to go two touchdowns, one INT. Even had a ground on or had a touchdown on the ground that day. He's thrown for five touchdowns in a game. This kid is special, and Washington will go. Yes, they've got Gaskin in the backfield, but they're going to go as far as Browning takes them. Before I wrap up everything, before we get to Brandon Swanson's final minute, is there anything with the Washington Huskies that we didn't touch? No, I think that we I think that we touched it all actually. Well, Brandon, this is where we get to the point of the podcast where uh Swanee's final thoughts, what do you got for us? Yeah, so what one of the things that, that I have today and what I think was uh kind of interesting, something that I was taking a look at on uh, Twitter, not Twitter, tweeter? not tweeter? Twitter, not Twitter. It was actually Facebook, but I'm sure it's on Twitter Close as well. Enough. So, one of the things. So everyone remembers Johnny Depp as 
Jack Sparrow in Pirates of the Caribbean, right? Everyone remembers that from about, you know, seriously, probably like five to seven years ago, if not more. Pirates of the Caribbean coming out with another installment after we thought all the pirates were dead. And down in the uh, watery grave, they're coming back. Pirates of the Caribbean, dead men tell no tales. I have no idea when that's going to be coming out, but they just had a poster released for the movie earlier today. I think that's exciting because I did like all the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Was and this one and we were Kira Knightley is also something to look at. Were we supposed to know about this one, or is this like a surprise out of nowhere? I don't know. Actually, I kind of feel like it's a surprise out of nowhere, but doesn't mean it is. Hey, you know what? They'll make as many pirate movies just to uh, make a little bit more money, right? Absolutely. Just a little bit more, especially Absolutely. with uh, how much that Captain Jack Sparrow stuff sells, but... That's going to do it for the Primetime Podcast this week. I want to thank everybody for listening. This is where I pump out the usuals. If you're listening on YouTube and you're like, man, this was a cool segment, you should go to our Blog Talk Radio page for the Primetime Podcast. It's blogtalkradio.com backslash primetimepodcast. It's the most valuable podcast for the entire network. That's where you can get all of our full podcasts and listen to everything. Also, check out our Patreon page. We're trying to get lapel mics for our videos, so... If you can check out our Patreon page, chip in a little bit, it would really mean the world to us. We love that you guys like, subscribe, share our videos, Patreon. We want to do more cool stuff for you guys. You can check us out on Twitter. Those are in the description. Before I hit you off with what I say at the end of every podcast, Brand's got one more thing to say. Go, Swanee. The movie is set to be released in 3D on May 26th, 2017. Well, that's going to do it. Now, as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.